You're listening to the Eucharist Church Sermon Podcast, coming to you from downtown Hamilton, Ontario, in beautiful, sunny Canada. We are a 10-year-old church that is currently meeting online due to COVID, which isn't our favorite way to gather, but it does mean that you can join us from wherever you are if you're interested in connecting with our community. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for a 30-minute check-in time, and on Wednesday evenings for a 60-minute service, followed by an optional half-hour breakout room in which different groups connect and discuss what it means to put this faith into practice together. You can find out more by visiting eucharistchurch.ca, but for now, let's get into the teaching. Peace of Christ. Ooh, this is, if you're comfortable, I would love it if you leave your cameras on because preaching to people I love and miss is much nicer than preaching to uh, blank spaces, which is fine either way. This isn't about me. I'm just saying if it's all the same to you, I wouldn't mind is what I'm getting at. All right. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be reading this week's text from the Gospel of Mark chapter 5. It is an all-time classic uh, and one that I'll be totally honest when I was looking ahead at the uh, lectionary. We're, or, sorry, we're in chapter 4, Mark chapter 4. Um, we've been following the lectionary, which is a, an agreed-upon set of readings done, uh, followed by churches across the world. So this text will be right across the world in cathedrals and refugee camps and little churches on Zoom like us. And so there's something beautiful when we're in these seasons of church calendar of remembering that we are tied to millions, if not billions, of other people around the world in every imaginable circumstance, looking to these words and these stories to find the hope that God has for us. And so uh, maybe that helps you uh, anchor yourself in this time and remember that we are connected in that way. Uh, but also to say that, yeah, this text, real all-time classic. When I first opened the Bible and looked at the lectionary text for this week, I was like, oh, yay, this one again. Like, what? <laughs> Which is really unchristian of me. But I was like, what new insight could there possibly be in this story? And then, like, by the time I was finished reading it, I was crying. So, okay, here we go. Carrying on from where Nina took us last week, Jesus has been uh, causing trouble. Jesus has been telling stories about seeds and the burying and breaking apart that causes the growth. And uh, now we are in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. So the crowds have been all around Jesus, listening to his teachings, pushing in on him. He's worried about being crushed by them at one point. And now verse 35. And on that day, when evening had come, he, Jesus, says to them, the disciples, let us cross over to the far shore and dismissing the crowd, they take him as he was in the boat, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves broke into the boat, so that now the boat was filling, and he was sleeping on the pillow in the stern. And they rouse him and say to him, Teacher, does it not matter to you that we are perishing? And being woken, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Be silent, quell yourself. And the wind fell, and a great calm came about. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? How is it that you do not have faith? And they were afraid 
enormously afraid and said to one another, Who then is this man that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. So I feel like this is one of those texts that you come back to again and again. And one of the things that I love about the Bible, there are many things I love about the Bible, but maybe one of the things that that has most struck me in the last year is that the Bible is that one book you keep going back to. So if you were raised in a religious home, raised in the church, you might have heard this story. Jesus calms the storm with like a felt board and little waves going along. And it meant something then, right? Like I tell this story to my daughter and she freaks out. She thinks it's the coolest thing. Oh my goodness, waves, storms. Wow, this is awesome. This is scary. This is big, but Jesus is bigger. You know, like she's got this really good four-year-old theology. It's fantastic. And then you get older and you grow up. And, you know, when I was in youth group in high school and this, this text sort of grew with me, I started reading it differently again. You know, when it says at the end, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? You know, by the time I was in grade 12, it was like, this is the only son of God. Take that, atheists. You know, like that was kind of my like high school, like this proves it, miracles, ha ha. And you know, that has its place as well. It meant something at the time. And this week, as I read the text, it hit at a different level again at a level that we might call much more internal or spiritual or strangely metaphysical, that it felt very, very personal and very mysterious. And as if what this text is saying is something true that has been hidden within creation and hidden in every one of our lives and is just sitting in this text right there, clear as day, And I had never really noticed it in this way before and had never really impacted me quite in the way that it did this time. Because uh, we're in a storm. (laughs) Can we just get by show of hands? How many people feel like they're in some sort of storm over the last while? Yeah, it's a nightmare. This is, people are turning on their cameras just to put up their hands because the storm is so vicious, totally. We're tired of this storm. I'm tired of fighting this storm. I'm exhausted. My muscles ache. I'm sleepy. I'm sick and tired of feeling like every moment is a storm. And I'm just over-zoomed at this point and over-teched. I mean, God bless you all for being on a Zoom call when it's sunny out. God bless you, everyone. Because we're just over technology and we're over the screens and our brains are sore from this storm. And let's just be honest, Eucharist, I think we feel disconnected. I wonder why. You know, we're a church whose ethos, our language, the entire metaphor of Eucharist from day one has been the table, the table, flesh and blood, bread and wine. Let's gather at the table. We haven't had any tables for a year and a half. I haven't sat at a table with anyone in this church community. And I find myself just getting exhausted by this storm that seems like it's never going to end. And so we try to fight the storm, right? I try to fight the storm. And there's just so many challenges that are coming with the storm. 
like in a couple of weeks, we're going to take some sort of summer gap. And we got to figure out, you just heard Jill at the beginning of this say, Kevin and I don't quite know what we're going to do yet in July. When's July? About a week and a half. And here's the thing. It's not that we're not trying. I want you to know this, okay? It's not that we're sitting around drinking margaritas. We are so tired. We are trying to get to a week and a half from now. And this storm is so freaking relentless, we haven't even been able to. In the fall, we're supposed to figure out how to replant this church 10 years in after not being together for a year and a half while everyone we know suffers alone. Yeah, I'm a little tired. We're supposed to have an AGM and budget next week. No, two weeks from now. (laughs) Don't skip the week. We're supposed to have an AGM and a budget. We're supposed to look at numbers and say, what will we do in this imaginary church that we're going to have? We're supposed to feel excited about the future? Are you kidding me? And that's like, and on top of all this, we're trying to have right now one of the most important and one of the most challenging and delicate and potentially painful conversations that we have ever had in our church. How do we become a community that is an open table to absolutely everyone exactly as they are, especially our LGBTQ plus siblings in Christ? who we want to be a part of this church and who have been a part of this church. And yet even just talking about this, talking about the pain, talking about the context that we're in is just surfacing even more of the pain and the struggle and the exhaustion of the storms that we find ourselves in. And I just kind of feel unable to keep fighting it. My muscles are just so sore. I don't even know what to do. Like I'm struggling because I look at everything in our church and I look at all of you and I look at all these people in our community and I'm like, I don't even understand what's happening in these storms. Why are we all so disconnected? Why don't we get to see each other anymore? We all want the same things, love and grace and mercy and hospitality and Christ. And yet we just, I keep getting frustrated with people, confessions, and I keep getting stressed. And I keep getting anxious and overwhelmed and I'm becoming just distrustful and bitter and scared about the future because I just feel like I'm stuck in this storm and it's never going to end. I really hope we don't all feel quite as horribly intense as I feel at times, but I do hope I'm not the only one who has felt this over the last while. So what do we do? I don't think I can overcome this one in my own muscle. I don't know if our little boat can make it through this storm. So what do we do? And this is where the text just comes to life in this brand new way that is also just so old, like new and old right together. Nothing new, nothing, no brilliant new insight, nothing I found in the Greek. Here's what I remembered this week, reading the story. There's obviously one way out of the storm. There's one way out of the storm, and he's sleeping on a pillow right in front of us. Christ is right there, sleeping inside each one of us. Christ in us, the hope of glory, sitting inside of us, present, ready to calm our storms. If we just kneel down and say, we need you to wake up. Christ sitting in you right now. 
in your gut, in your heart, in your soul. Christ waiting there for you and I to just say, I can't fight this storm on my own. I need some help. I need you to do it. This is a lesson that has become clearer to me in the last year and a half than ever before in my life. Big surprise. You know, the summer when we can't gather, and the spring last year we can't gather. Well, we'll gather in the summer, and the summer we can't gather. Well, we'll gather in the fall. And in the fall, there was a time where we started gathering as a church, and I was like, this is good. We're going to connect. And like my plans, so so much ambition. We'll do three services on three different nights of the week, and we'll rotate things around. This is e- this is normal. We can do this. This is fine. And people started gathering, and we were going, okay, this is going to be good. We're going to make it. We planned our way out of it. We worked our way out of it. And there was this moment during the like November lockdown where Jill phoned me and said, they've locked it down again. We can't gather as a church. And I've told this story before, but what else am I going to tell? This is just what God's been beaten over my head for the last year. And I just said to Jill, okay. <laughs> and Jill, Jill, do you remember this? Jill said on the phone, okay. Like Kevin, you have never said, okay, for the five years I've known you. Like everything is some new idea. We're going to overcome. We're going to work it out. And then I just said on this one, okay, okay, we're done. We can't fight this storm. We can't beat this storm in our own energy. Okay. But I still didn't stop trying to control things at some level. Like, let me, I kept trying to control things just in more subtle ways, you know, like, oh, well, I'll make sure that we kind of support everybody and we'll make sure that everybody has the help that they need. And oh, good. Uh, the, these people had some questions. I'll go meet with them. I'll just keep busy. We'll control this. This will be fine. And the storm keeps going. And for the first time in my life, um, over the last couple of months, uh, I had my first panic attacks, which I've never experienced before just like shaking and sweating and crying and not knowing what is going on, except that the feeling that there's a storm I cannot overcome in my own strength. There's just nothing else to do. And there was this moment where I just realized, if I can't overcome this storm, maybe I just need to drop to my knees and ask for help. Maybe I just need to drop down and say, I just need you, God, to take care of this. And that means I need to totally surrender control of all of this, of every Wednesday night and every Sunday, of everything, every meeting, every person. I just need to totally release control. I don't say this, by the way, as any sort of spiritual humble brag, because here's what I promise you. If I could have controlled it, I would have. I would not have stopped controlling this if there was any way left for me to muscle this out in my own strength. All right, so there's no spiritual brownie points going to me for this. There was just simply no other option left but to open my hands and fall on my knees and literally lie prostrate on the ground and say, God... Whoever you are, beyond what I seem to know, beyond what I figured out, just God in your fullness of who you are, Christ, wherever you are inside of me, I need you to do this. I need you to take this. I need you to awaken in me. And I need you to calm the storm. And what's funny is the storm that Christ ended up working on 
Um, wasn't the church Eucharist storm that I would have liked? You know, I would have loved it if Christ was like, I've got this and now everything's better again and the budget is met and 500 people on the Zoom call and they all love Zoom suddenly. Like, you know, like if I get, that's what I was hoping for. And instead Christ woke up and said, you know, I've been waiting for you to call me about the storm. And I was like, yes, Christ, get to work. Like my Pokemon, you know, like go, Jesus to chew. Like go solve it. And he was like, oh, no, 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 I'm not going anywhere. No, the storm I'm here to solve is the storm inside of you. All your anxieties and all your control and all your fear, that's what I'm here for. I'll solve the big storm, but that's not what I'm actually here to do. I'm right now here to calm the storm inside of you. And so the last eight months has been the first time in my life that I've consistently had to sit in silence before God. For the record, I've been a pastor for over 13 years. (laughs) Some of us are stubborn. Like I said, if there was any other way, I would have taken it. And some of you know me, you know, like, I am not the, like, let's just sit in silence personality. Like, if you've been a part of Eucharist for a while, I'm like, let's go, let's do it. I'm action. I'm, let's fight. Let's do it. Let's do big things. And, you know, yeah, it's all great. It all belongs. But at a certain point, it doesn't work. It hits its wall. And even people like me that do not like sitting in silence begin to sit in silence because it's the only way to guarantee I'm not going to try to grab something in my own power or in my own strength. St. Brene Brown, who many of you will be familiar with, uh, talks about in 2007 her spiritual awakening. And she's got this great phrase for it that is just a gift to anyone who's been having their own panic attacks over the last eight months. Uh, She talks about her 2007 in her book. She says, my 2007 breakdown and then it's crossed out and it says spiritual awakening next to it (laughs) and that's it man at least in my experience at least the little bit that i've experienced the bit i've tasted it's a breakdown (sighs) spiritual awakening and what i'll say is that in particular the last six months i've probably been um yeah i think i could probably say i've been the hardest time of my life I don't think I've ever felt quite as spread thin as the last six months. And there's been stress and flare-ups and anxiety. And yet, in a very, very strange way, and again, there's no bragging here, all right? I'm the worst at this. But in a very real way, there's been a calm. There's been a calming of the storm in me. Which is not to say that the storms don't occur. It's just that it used to be like I'd live in a storm and occasionally there was some calm. And now it's beginning to be like I'm living in a calm and occasionally there's a storm. That over the last six months regularly sitting with, well, the last eight months, it took a little while to kick in. But over the last six months in particular, just regularly sitting and finally shutting up before God so that he can say something to me and not pulling out my phone and not trying to control something and not chasing every first thought in my head has finally begun to create some calm inside of me. And I feel like the storm, despite being as bad as ever, isn't quite as scary as it used to be. And so this is a sermon 
not about prayer. This is me asking you if you will pray. Because I don't know what to do. For this amazing congregation that I love, for these people that I know who are hurting and scared, and I don't know what Jesus wants to do, and I don't know what a calm storm looks like, and I just now, the only testimony I have, the only thing that I can think of left is to ask my friends in this community to consider this an invitation to fall down on your knees with me. And that doesn't mean you like need to have all the answers or that you need to have theological categories for these things. Or you even need to understand what it is you're doing. It's just simply, simply falling down and saying, please help. Whoever it is that's beyond there, what we in the Christian tradition, we call God and Christ and spirit. And that does seem to be the way. But if you're not even sure about that language yet, I'll just take you falling down, please, and saying, whoever it is that's beyond what I know, whoever it is that's the one who's loving and gracious, whoever it is that's the one that can solve this, please help us. And please help me. So I'm asking you, friends, if you'll pray with me. If you'll name the storm that is within inside of you. Because I suspect that the way Christ is going to do this is calming the storms inside of all of us until the big storms begin to find their way as well. So I'm asking you to sit and to join me in asking Christ to calm the storm inside of you. And I have no idea. I want to say I have no idea what that calm will look like for you. And I don't want to know because that would just be me trying to control things again total surrender of what the calm looks like. I don't know what Christ will say to you once that storm is calmed. Total surrender to that. I don't need it to look a certain way. None of us need this to be that at the end of this, you're happy all of a sudden, or all of a sudden, you know what to do with your light. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just know that this is real. I just know that this is real. I just know that there is a Christ who meets us and I know that it calms the storm and I know that when that happens, everything else clicks together. And so I'm, I'm not like, I'm not telling you you have to pray. I'm not telling you if you don't pray, X, Y, Z will happen. I'm not saying eh, this is no control. How could I? Just me asking if you would receive the invitation to pray. And that can be later on this week or later on tonight. That can be this weekend. That can be in your mornings or your evenings. And that can be, and, and we'll open this up later on. Um, for me, it's always like, I, even when I want to pray, I often just struggle to know, like, when am I going to schedule that in? When am I going to remember to remember to sit down for 10 minutes and pray and sit in silence and, and hear from God? And so if you're somebody who says, I'd like to pray, but I don't quite know where to begin or what that would look like. Um, we're not going to be uh, in lieu of breakout rooms tonight. We're actually going to just invite people to stay back and join us for a time of prayer that Jill will guide us through. Um, because it did seem weird to sit around and ask questions and talk about prayer when we could just sit in silence together and pray. And so um, if that's something that you're open to receiving, I, I would welcome that. Um, and we would welcome those prayers in any space, at any time, 
that Christ might calm our storms one by one and through that calm our big storms. Amen. I didn't want to rush right back into this liturgy because like I said, this isn't so much a sermon about prayer as um, me asking if you would consider praying with us. And so I'm just going to play a nice little instrumental song. It's like two minutes as a time for you to just sit and ask what God is saying to you in this time. And that's the only voice that you need to listen to. So I invite you to just take two minutes to sit and listen and ask God what's next. (laughs) 